what's up? Welcome back to Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer Spoke. Yeah, we are. We are picking up part two of 513. So I hope y'all ready because we're jumping right into the juice. Let's go. Ted is home having a glass of orange juice. There's a knock at the door, and it is Ted, and he is standing there with a smile, and he comes Girl. right in with takeout and news about getting an upgrade on their room. Uh, you are unstable. Baby, very unstable. You, you came in unstable. here like nothing happened. You, okay? Yeah, you were screaming in my face the last time I saw you, and now you're talking about a suite with a jacuzzi? Baby, you I'm not going nowhere with you. Nowhere. I mean, uh-uh. If I'm coming, all my friends coming, I don't trust you. Yeah. Okay? We riding in separate yeah. cars. That part. Yeah. But I am so proud of Ted for not sweeping it under the rug and making excuses for him because there was definitely a time when he would have. Oh, I knew he was. When I was watching it, I was like, don't do it, Ted. Yeah. Don't take him back. Uh, He is immediately like, what are you doing here? And Tad is talking about having a a few flaws. No, baby, this is a serious malfunction. Tad says he gets a little jealous because he loves Ted and he knows that Ted loves him. But Ted's like, no, I love the person I thought you were. Tad may insist that he's still the same person, but Tad is like, well, I'm not. <laughs> and he tells him that you have to you have to leave, but Tad is not going anywhere. He, he said, I'm not going anywhere. He slams the door saying, you can't get rid of me. And he is like pushing Tad. And, I got scared. Yeah, starting to get real rowdy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Tad pulls some physical strength from somewhere and he shoves him out the door and locks it. And he also pulls some emotional strength from somewhere because he doesn't give in or relent Mm-mm. when he's begging at the door. As soon as he doesn't give in, we get the real Tad back out again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Ted has overcome a lot and he has defeated a lot, but this is perhaps my favorite display of growth for him. Absolutely. Uh, Because he would have tolerated or done anything to feel desired, but he's not operating from that place of desperation anymore. No, he's not. He's actually seen the light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good reference. Bad yeah. reference, probably. Yeah. The worst reference. Yeah. But he actually saw the light. And um, he stood 10 toes down on his convictions, and that's what I respect. Because like you said, the old Ted, that door would have been back open. I'm sorry. No, no, no. We can work this out. Yeah. Okay, we got to upgrade on the suite. Okay. Yeah. It comes with champagne. But he was like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to be all right. I don't have to put up with this bullshit because that was some bullshit. Don't come here. Clearly, they haven't spoken. Right. You just show up, you know what I'm saying, with some takeout, thinking everything's going to be cool, and you're going to get into my cookies. No, boo-boo. The cookie jar is closed. No more cookies for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm okay with this Tad storyline being, like, tacked on to the end of this season. Because it showed, who, it showed the growth that we needed to see in Ted. Yeah, because he was on this journey to find someone. And I feel like there was one more hurdle that Ted needed to clear before he could really find the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needed to choose himself over the tease of happiness and especially that happiness with a person who truly wasn't the right fit. Mm-hmm. He tried to make that Jewish doctor work that I brought up earlier. He tried to make Lewis work. Oh, <laughs> no, He baby. tried to make Tad work. And he was so focused on the idea of a relationship that he wasn't really thinking about if those would have been the right relationships for him or those the right people for him. And he does tend to fall in love more with that, with the idea than the actual mm-hmm. person and Actually, he doesn't actually let himself see them. Right. He just sees, like, okay, you're a figure who can fit into this relationship. Right. And he's he can't be afraid to say, no, not you. You're not the right one. And he has to believe that the right fit or a better fit is coming. Is coming and is out there. Yeah. And it's exactly what Emmett was saying earlier in this episode. So I actually think I don't mind at all that the Tad storyline was tacked on. It was, was needed. Was included in the last yeah, episode. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say needed, but. It was a good addition because it gave us some insight. I feel like this was a good time for him. If you put it too early, then you've still got all this time to pass when Ted's like, like, okay, 
I want somebody, but I don't need somebody. And she's got all this time of him mm-hmm. mulling around in that. And I don't think Ted can, like, sit and mull nah, things for too long. We, girl, we know he, can't, he cannot. Yeah. Brian and Justin are in bed at the loft. Justin is reading with one leg thrown over Brian. And Brian is there in all his thoughts, I'm sure. Justin tells him that he had a dream they were in their new house. And Brian guesses they were cooking, gardening, or sitting in front of the fire. Well, Justin's dream involved more riding, diving, slamming, (laughs) that sort of thing. Uh, He's about to start practicing some of that, but Brian stops him saying, wouldn't you rather just cuddle? And Justin is thrown. Okay. (laughs) That was when you heard that. (laughs) I love how he climbs out of those blankets. Like, wait a minute. That part, baby. It was like they were at a party. (laughs) The DJ scratched the record. Okay. Because I think they have very different ideas of what marriage in the manor will mean for their relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's something that they clearly haven't talked about. Like, Brian is trying to be what he thinks Justin wants him to be. Uh, and he's trying to be what he thinks marriage requires of him. But Justin hasn't given him any parameters, so I don't know why he's yeah, putting himself in that box. Yeah. But I also kind of wonder if part of him is, like, acting weird in this moment because not quite Kenny Cliff, but maybe like a little Kenny Hump because yes. he knows that New York mm-hmm. is pending. But a Kenny Hump, I yeah, love that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and not because he doesn't want to be with Justin, he does, but he doesn't want Justin to sacrifice his goals or dreams mm-hmm. for him. He would never ask him to do that, um, especially if he doesn't have to. Right. And so, yeah. Anyway, Justin says that he's never heard Brian use the word cuddle, much less actually want to do it, which I 100% disagree with. He might not ever say it, but Brian is a big cuddle bug. Yeah, because it seems like every time they're laying in the bed, they're cuddling. But, yeah. well, but when he not... walks in the door from anywhere, he like immediately goes to, yes. you know. Yes, he embraces him, but not if, come on now, I'm with Justin. He's because... not going to say, hey, do you want to cuddle? Exactly, but that's what he just said. Or I would rather us just cuddle. He's never going to say Justin that. was going to give him some of that throat, okay? We know that Justin <laughs> is the throat goat, okay? That head is always down there. Silk throat goat at that, okay? Ain't no way Brian finna pass up the throat goat. And he was like, well, wouldn't you rather just go? Uh, that's an insult for one. Like, you trying to tell me that my, my throat ain't worthy no more? For one. Yeah. Two, and then who the hell is this man that said they want to cuddle yeah. when I'm offering up, you know what I'm saying, the platinum package? Right. Okay? Like, uh-uh. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Justin's like, no, nah, this is not right. At any given time, if you ask Brian what he wants to do, cuddle ain't going to be the answer. Period. And Justin says that there are a lot of other things that Brian Kenny does, and cuddle is not one <laughs> of them. Brian tries to avoid the whole conversation. I think he doesn't want to look at it too closely because he don't have to face the truth that he is not behaving like himself. Mm-hmm. And he is forcing himself to be something that is not natural mm-hmm. to him. Now, he's willing to do it. But again, nobody's asking you. Well, at least your man is not asking you to do it. Right. <laughs> but Justin does call him out. And that's what you pointed out uh, last time. He says, every day we get closer to being married, the person I know gets further away. And Brian's like, I'm right here. And Justin says, no, no, it's not you. You're here, but you're not here. Yeah, it's like you would never go to your own stag party and not partake in the party favors. You would never be more interested in gardening than getting laid. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's not that Brian has a one-track mind and nothing in that he's nothing more than his sexual appetite. Justin is saying you would never make yourself have to choose. And right. you would never deny yourself something that you just naturally want. Exactly. Um, definitely not in favor of gardening. Uh, especially when, again, no one is asking you not to do to. that. Yeah, yeah, like no one's telling you not to do these things. Yeah, Brian says he's just trying to make Justin happy, but Justin wants Brian to do what makes him happy. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to be happy when you're happy. When you're doing what makes you ha- you happy, that's when I'm going to be happy. 
but all of this is based in in assumption in these expectations that are coming from everyone and everywhere else not from not from justin Mm -hmm. like justin didn't flat out ask him for monogamy or to give up clubs or drugs or any of that to him his relationship that wasn't it that's not that's not their dynamic so he wouldn't ask that he wouldn't change that to me and it goes back to what i said that's why i don't want a ring on it because people start acting different start changing up on you okay justin thought he was gonna get a ring and get his man and they still gonna do the same thing like same rules apply Brian was like, I'll give you this ring, bitch. Things changing. Okay. Yeah, well, because they never, that's the problem. They mm-hmm. didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I and Brian just assumed. And even if Justin had that same assumption, it's clear they never talked about right. it. Right. Yeah. But Brian's assumption wasn't based on nothing. So he calls Justin out, like, what about you? Not going to New York, not conquering the art world. Now, Justin already knows that he is the pot calling the kettle black because he is sacrificing a part of himself because. Even though he does want to be with Brian and to marry Brian, it's causing him to deny something else that he wants too to make mm-hmm. that to make that happen. And he tries to be all flippant about it, but this is the same Justin who a season ago was all giddy and excited about getting to bring rage to a bigger audience. Exactly. Um, and getting his art out in the world. So Brian knows better. Even though Justin has been burned and hurt by that experience, he still wants to make a living off of the work that he produces. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells Brian that he doesn't want it and that it means nothing, but Brian challenges him and says, would it still mean nothing if I if I wasn't here? If I wasn't a factor, would it still mean nothing? Uh, and Justin says, no. Brian tells him, I don't want to live with someone who sacrificed their life and called it love to be with me. Well, neither does Justin. And they're holding hands and they're lying next to each other as they're saying this because it's not like, well, we don't work. It's just like, okay, well, this arrangement is requiring us mm-hmm. to do things that neither of us want to do. We don't want the other person right. to do. So, so let's rework yeah, the arrangement. Exactly. Let's really figure out what this arrangement is. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, rework. Girl, I'm already repeating <laughs> after you. Rework the arrangement. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this isn't an I don't want to be with you conversation or an I want my freedom or my dreams more than you conversation. That's not at all what this is. This is a I don't want our relationship to cause us to sacrifice anything mm-hmm. conversation. And we don't have to. True. Know? Who says that we have to do one or the other? Right. But it is hard because they do want to be with each other, but they are realizing that they are shoving themselves into a box. True. I mean, in any relationship, you're going to compromise some things. But what they're compromising, those were huge. huge those should have been deal breakers, you know? Yeah. For other people, those would be mm-hmm. deal breakers. And they're like, okay, well, we don't want to break the deal but mm-hmm. we don't want to do that exactly so, yeah. <laughs> yeah so let's go back to the drawing board right, <laughs> okay right start out from scratch and see what we can come up with but what i love most about them is they can't like that wasn't an argument that was a conversation that was two lovers friends discussing the future you know mm-hmm. or, or what's to come of, of their future you know yeah. so i love that they can still have those conversations it wasn't something that was heated and hostile yeah it, it was very calm it was like i'm gonna express what i'm feeling you're gonna express what you're feeling you know i know you you know me you know where i'm coming from so i love that they were able to just communicate yeah it was a very loving conversation mm-hmm. because even just their, the way they were laying there together like justin Brian ha- takes Justin's hand, and then they like, okay, we got to figure this out. You know, they mm-hmm. just kind of lay there like, all right, well, we realize we got some, we need to have some additional conversation about this. Exactly. Yeah. Debbie is over at the diner serving ice cream and cherries <laughs> uh, to Michael uh, to congratulate him on his speech. Uh, ben is there with him, and Hunter is working. They call Hunter over to bring them some water. 
and they told him to grab a seat. Turns out they have his report card, and he passed all of his classes, and so he'll be on track. He'll be able to graduate when he's supposed to, either yes. be that this year or next year. I don't really know. It's not yeah, we know the timeline. <laughs> Unimportant detail. Yeah, yes. that timeline is... He's passing, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they have a little gift for him, a notebook with HNB on it. At Hunter's question, Ben says, well, those are your initials if you want them to be Hunter Novotny Bruckner. Because they want to adopt him. Oh, my God. Yeah, and he opens the journal and writes, Today, Michael and Ben asked me to be their son. I said yes. Girl, I damn near cried. You know, <laughs> I, I'm a sap on shit like that. Mm-hmm. Like, anything parental, like, I'm a sap. To see him happy, to see them happy, and the growth that they all experienced. I mean, Ben was always in the corner, but I feel like I didn't ever think Michael or Hunter was going to be on the same page. And then you start seeing Michael fighting for Hunter, you know, and then Hunter fighting for the family, you know, for him. Yeah. You like to see where they end, where it's ending. It's like, wow. This is the most like beautiful and happy ending for them. Because it was beautiful to see Hunter open himself up and take a chance on Mm -hmm. them. It was great to see Ben dedicate himself to a cause like this, to go from making sure Hunter had a coat to making sure Hunter had a home and Mm -hmm. a family and all of that. And then to see Michael go from being the one who, I mean, let's just be honest, the one who had to be coddled and the one who was baby, Mm -hmm. to being the one raising a child, a teenager at that, one who had very unique needs and demands, too. So it was really nice to see this journey with this little this little family. Over at the rehearsal dinner for Brian and Justin's wedding, the fine china is out. The gang is all assembled, and they are all ready for a good time. Daphne does look amazing. You pointed she out. She does. I love the hair wow. on her. That, I was like, that's her look. I love that Daphne and Jennifer have a place in this right in this gang mm-hmm. in this family, and they just like get along with everybody. Like they're yeah. not standing over to the side. Like they're just a part of this, mm-hmm. and so. Even though we don't get to see it, I know that Daphne comes around for things. Yeah. And, and, you know, everybody's just comfortable with each other. True. They all make their own connections. Mm-hmm. The happy couple comes in to cheers and applause. And they look amazing in their in their black suits. They thank <laughs> everyone for coming to their rehearsal dinner. However, there's nothing to rehearse. The wedding is off. Jennifer is about to fight somebody. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so she has been up and down with this. Okay? Right. <laughs> Jennifer's about to fight somebody. But then everyone laughs at the joke, only it's not a joke. They decided not to get married. And I love how they are united and in sync when they're making this announcement. Like their clothes kind of match. Mm-hmm. They're both in black, black uh, suits. They are standing side by side. They keep looking at each other and smiling at each other. So no love is lost mm-hmm. between them. And Brian keeps connecting them by placing a hand on Justin's shoulder, or on his back. And this is something that they came to together. This is a decision they made together. Justin says, we decided. This is a decision that they made by talking <laughs> to to one another and talking about their decisions and the things that will affect them as individuals and as a couple. Instead of doing what they usually do and making decisions for the other person, they make this decision together. We don't get to hear how they explain it to the gang, but it's what they said I'm not going to make you or let you sacrifice anything to be with me if this arrangement won't allow us to be together and have what we want and need as individuals, then we just have to find a different arrangement. And what they settle on is what we had, along with this added level of security and honesty and open communication, that wasn't broken, so why try to fix it? Justin left in early season five because there was no security and no path toward a future with Brian. And Brian proposed because he he wanted some security and some certainty, and he thought marriage was the way to get that. And he was at a place where he could offer that to Justin. Like, he was still thinking, this is something Justin wants. I want to be with him 
with some permanence. And so this is something that I can do now. I can offer this to him now because now I understand if this is what it takes for us to be together, if this is what's going to solidify our commitment, then this is what I'll do. Now, ultimately, they learn that's not the right way, of course, but the right way for them. But the point is, they have both made their desire for security and a path forward toward a future together very clear. And now they have realized and decided it doesn't have to be packaged in a marriage. It it shouldn't be something that requires them to conform to something the other person doesn't even recognize. So prior to the whole Cuddlegate experience, I think the only thing that they had talked about regarding their marriage was that they were both required to continue their husbandly duties. Absolutely. Uh, But I believe that last night or whatever night it was that they were in in bed together, they did have a talk about what they were expecting from their partnership. And they came to the conclusion that they wanted to go back to, okay, let's keep doing what we had Mm -hmm. since when they got back together in 308, basically. exactly. Like, let's keep doing that, but let's have a realistic degree of permanence attached to it because they both want that. They do want to know that this is going somewhere and this is more secure i think they do both want to know that but Mm -hmm. it's like it doesn't have to be wrapped in this packaging exactly like i mean love looks many different ways you know Mm -hmm. and we know theirs was a unique situation but it worked for them it might not work for everybody else but it works for them so why change it you know we can go back to that now we know for sure concrete like you're mine i'm yours when the time presents itself and i can say i do when we both where we where we need to be I'm always going to say I do. Yeah, yeah. We can always revisit that conversation. But yeah. for right now, that's not the right move. Right, it's yeah. not. For Just because one. it's requiring something of us that it shouldn't. Like, if we're not requiring it of each other, why would we enter into an institution that's mm-hmm. requiring it of us? That was just going to be a recipe for disaster. It was. And they wouldn't have lasted, period. No, Neither because one. they wouldn't. Well, Brian would have stayed because he wouldn't leave Justin like wanna, that. And he doesn't want, like, failure. Yeah. Well, I don't. I think it's just that. He would say because he he gave Justin his word and he made a vow and he committed to staying. And so he would stay because of that. But Justin would be like, uh-uh. We're You're both unhappy. Mi- yeah. We are miserable here. Mm-hmm. This is over. No. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. If they were going to do it according to those outside expectations. Right. And if they're not going to do it according to those outside expectations, what's really the point of them doing it? Exactly. Because they get to have everything that they want. The way they w- way the it way, is now. Yeah, the way they already have it. Yeah. And so it's like. All I want to know is that this is going to be more secure Mm -hmm. and that this has a future. That's really all Justin wanted to know. Right. And that's what Brian wanted to know. He wants to know, okay, Justin is going to, we're going to be together. We're going to stay together. You know, with some some realistic degree of permanence. Mm -hmm. That's what he wanted to know, too. And they can have that without this thing that's going to make them something that they're not. Facts. It does bring up the question, why is Brian's reduced to sex in monogamy or not monogamy? And Justin's is all about his career. Well, it's not all about sex for Brian. It's about the freedom for him to live his life as he chooses, keeping and honoring his convictions and only changing because he wants to, not because he has to fit into a mold or because someone told him he had to. Sex is only one expression of that for Brian, but we also see it in how he was handling the campaign with Remsen. He was doubting himself and his instincts as an advertising genius. And so... This conforming behavior was affecting all of him, not just whether or not he was tricking. He was conforming, not changing, as a product of natural and beneficial evolution. Those are two different things. So people talk about, like, compromise and change and why would he resist? It's like, no, because he wasn't changing. He was conforming. And that's different when you try to fit yourself into something versus when you let yourself naturally grow 
and change is just kind of part of that. I think my only deal with the going from getting married to not getting married, I think my only issue with that is I wish Mel and Lindsay hadn't said anything to either one of them because I really think that they would have come to this conclusion on their own. And by having Melanie and Lindsay both say something, it begs the question, like, what would have happened if those two wouldn't would have never said anything? But, you know, ultimately, we get the conversation between the two of them that Justin when Justin brings it up that night in the bed. And Brian probably would have brought it up, too, because at this point he knows about New York. So he would have gone his Brian Kenny ways about about bringing it up. So I just kind of wish that Melanie and Lindsay wouldn't have said anything. But I guess that they were kind of functioning as the audience inserts in this situation or like their comments were for our benefit. So that way, when Brian and Justin ultimately come to their own conclusions, we would have this outsider's perspective to help us understand why they land where they land and to help us see, oh, these two guys can't see this because they really love each other. They're really in love. They're really excited about spending their lives together and they're really excited about doing it in this way. And so they're kind of wrapped up in that and they can't see these problems as easily as we can. And so maybe that's why they had Melanie and Lindsay doing it. I don't know, but I would have been okay if that part wasn't in there. I'll just leave it like that. Over at Kinetic, Brian has a new pitch for Mr. Remsen and Miss Dixon. Uh, and that it's more in line with their vision. It's an older couple with gray in their hair sitting in front of a fire with a um, copy that reads, Rekindle the Flame. Miss Dixon says it's exactly what she had in mind, intimate, warm, and romantic. Brian says those are all the things, of, all the feelings a woman associates with love, right? Cynthia, Cynthia is out here on her hot girl summer though. She sure is, baby. <laughs> you know, she, she, was, in, she was in her office twerking to Cardi B, so she was like, uh, some women. Yeah. <laughs> baby, who? Who, me? <laughs> baby. Yeah. You can miss me with that. And quickly here, and I love when they do small things like this, but we expect sexual freedom from the gay male characters on this show, but they also subtly show us a straight woman mm-hmm. who is very pro-sexual freedom. Uh, like, we don't see her leaving Kinetic with a different man every day, but um, but just the way that she never judges or condemns mm-hmm. what Brian is doing and what, you know, anyone else has going on, we know that she has that same understanding right. and that same outlook on mm-hmm. the whole thing. She's a very sex-positive character, even exactly. though we never see her have mm-hmm. sex. And so that's a very smart way to write a character. Mm-hmm. Well, back to the ad, Brian did exactly what they told him to do, uh, but that's not Brian and that's not Kinetic. And Brian says that women won't be buying this pill. Men will be buying it straight, gay, Democrat, or Republican. <laughs> Period. Yeah. And then he goes full Brian Kinney on her and he tells her exactly why the men want this little pill and what they plan to do with it. And then I was living because this is the Brian Kennedy I wanted in the very beginning, you know. But he needed Justin to get him together as always. And that's what happened. Justin got him together really quickly. Mm-hmm. He was out of his head. He was confident again. He was Brian Kennedy. He gave her what he wanted so he could check her ass after he after he presented and she was all happy or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Continue, boo. Yeah. He says, despite these conservative times, it's all about, it's still all about sex and it always will be. Well, Brian suggests that they take their business elsewhere. That part. Okay. Like, um, hit the road, Jack, because I gave you what I could give you. You already knew what you was getting when you came to me. You know that I give, I get the results, period. Mm -hmm. Okay. Don't insult me like that again. And like he said before, baby girl, it's not you who's going to be buying this pill. It's going to be the men who definitely wants to fuck. Right. And that's what they (laughs) want to see. I need that type of imagery when I'm, when I'm choosing. If I saw some shit like that, I'm, what's that? Yeah. Let me see that. Oh, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. If I saw an older couple cuddled all up 
in front of a flame fireplace. It's cute. Yeah, but if that's not your life, yeah. then you don't want that. It's like, no, that doesn't speak to me. Yeah, it doesn't speak to my me. Life. You yeah. know? And ED hits all ages of men. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter how old you are. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that ain't my life. If I was struggling with it, I want to see some some fine young thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, or a catchy ad, you know, like, yeah, your wife don't have to know, or your boyfriend. That was cute. You it know what I'm saying? It was cute, yeah. Catchy, like you said, it stays on you. But that whole rekindle the flame... No, that's boring. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that sounds dated. Like, stop. And you're isolating a lot of other you are. people in your audience who could mm-hmm. be your potential audience. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling Mr. Remsen does come back. Like, uh, yeah. Maybe he, <laughs> he know where the money resides. Yeah, he, okay. he tells Miss Dixon, we're getting out of here. And then as soon as she goes and gets in her car, he comes back in like, oh, Brian. He, he did a lean back. <laughs> I'll see you at 2 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, I can see it. Melanie and Lindsay are still packing and dividing things up to store, take, or sell. Moving is very stressful, so I'm very proud of them for getting through this without, like, Mm -hmm. biting each other's head off. But uh, then again, this is something that they are doing to protect their family and to try to give themselves a more hopeful future. So they are motivated and excited about getting this done. They look around the house, and uh, we are treated to some memories where... They had Gus's almost bris. Uh, <laughs> Melanie proposing. Lindsay saying that she will stay until after the baby is born. <laughs> Girl, she meant every word of that. Uh, she me and did. you died on that, okay? Yeah. It was like, push, wham. All right, girl. Um, I'm going to catch you later. <laughs> Call Philip and Tannis. Yeah. They'll get you home. That part. Okay, you do a lot of help over there at the Resource Center, baby girl. So I'm going to need you to go um to call them because... Oh, Lindsay was straight savage. Savage, baby. Like, I mean, literally five minutes after the baby, she was out the hospital, baby. Yeah. She was done. Okay. Yeah. Straight savage from Lindsay there. Yeah. That um, memory is the one I remember. Okay, like, yeah. I remember all of them, but that was, maybe I'm petty, but that <laughs> that memory right there here hard, okay? Yeah. She said, you were standing right there when you, when you said you were going to stay till after the baby lay, or after the baby came. She really meant that. She yeah. meant that, girl. But I like that they showed us that not all of the memories there were good, right. you know, because that's life and that's, that's love and that's relationships. It's not all good. It's not all sunshine and roses all the time, so. Facts. Yeah. Lindsay says the bad memories help them appreciate the good ones and they decide to make one more memory there in their home before mm-hmm. they leave. Well, you know, they always pulling out some titties. Always. always. Okay, always. They do not mind it. At all, girl. Ted did go on his trip and he brought Emmett with him. It's still going to be a great birthday. Uh, it includes a cake with candles for him to make a wish. Uh, every year he always wishes for a boyfriend. This year he decided to wish for something else, the wisdom and maturity to realize that he won't find what he wants by looking for it, to not expect someone to someone else to give him what he can't give himself, and that he's not a half waiting to be made a whole. And even if that special person never comes along, he'll be just fine. Perfect wish. Yeah, well, he makes the wish and blows out the candles. And immediately, wish granted, Blake appears. Girl, I was dead. I was on the floor. I think I said, yeah. Blake! Yeah. I was so loud. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. And Blake is looking good. I have never had positive words for Blake. Ever. <laughs> Blake is looking good. Like, this was a good blast from the past. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. I-, I was so happy. But I just knew Blake was going to be there with somebody else. Like, don't get Ted hopes Well, he was there up. with someone else who's 11 other men mm, i was like you whore <laughs> yeah okay yeah but i have always loved loved blake and i don't know if it's because when i did binge it and so i watched it over such a short period of time i knew where it ended up mm-hmm. but i've always loved blake so i don't know if it was a genuine love or only because i knew what the end was well girl i was always on emma team and emma he never have nice words for blake period <laughs> okay Ever when he yeah. threatened his ass in the crack house, when he the meth house, or wherever he was in somebody's basement, 
He was like, I'll, I'll fuck you up. You know, then at the treatment center, you're like, oh, uh, you here? Yeah. Uh, you know, those type of words. You know, it's like, I've always rocked with Emmett, period. I'm a ride or die for Emmett, exactly. period. You okay. Are. Yeah. Blake is on the gay ski team now. Um, oh, pause, girl. I mean, yes, keep this in, though. Yeah. Could you imagine if Tad did come and Blake, yeah, Blake was, was there? Dead. Blake would be dead. Girl, ooh, baby. All hell's a break loose on them ooh. slopes. Okay. Ooh, it'd be blood on the skis. I'm for real. Okay. <laughs> blood on the slopes. Oh, my gosh. Baby. Yeah. Ooh. He, what if he's stuck there? Like, we just didn't see him. Well, I know. He probably was creeping, yeah. peeping out from some tree or yeah. something. Yeah. I am actually surprised he yeah. did. But, it, you know, it ain't that kind of show. But I'm actually very surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need an extended scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It probably is one out there somewhere. Yeah, I got to find it. Blake is on the gay ski team now, and he tells um Ted tells him that he and Emmett are there for his birthday, but Emmett clarifies, like, as friends, yes. nothing more. I loved Emmett in this scene. Yeah, me too. Blake is about to, he, you know, exchanges niceties, and he's about to leave, saying he'll catch him later, but Emmett says, why? Uh, 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 wait, where are you going? Yeah, why not now? Yeah. Because that's always been the issue with him. The timing was wrong. Like, I... I've always felt that Blake was the best fit for Ted, but they were finding each other at the wrong time. Like, Mm -hmm. one of them was always in a vulnerable place when they would link up, and they were just not strong enough emotionally or psychologically to really Mm -hmm. make a relationship work. But now they have both reached a level where they're at a healthy place. And I feel like they can make it work now. Oh, absolutely. I definitely, I mean, well, we know where Blake's headspace is, so definitely mm-hmm. they can make it work. And we like we, and we just saw Ted. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, I mean, now is the time. And like we said um, with the congresswoman, you have to strike now. Strike now. Okay? Right, right. Now is the time. Yeah. And I like that Emmett can approve of this now. Like, he can co-sign this whole thing now. Because there is such a history with the three of them, but Emmett genuinely wants Ted to be happy, and he knows that Blake is a good person. Mm-hmm. Like, he has grown a lot, changed a lot, and grown up a lot, and he knows that he is a good person mm-hmm. and really does love and care for Ted because Blake went behind Ted's back, kind of, to try to repair some of you know his with friendship Emmett. with mm-hmm. Emmett. Yeah, so... The whole letter. Mm-hmm. And then he walked away from Ted when he was like this relationship is not healthy for for you right now. Exactly. And he walked away from him, and so Emmett can respect that Mm -hmm. about him. Uh, Ted and Blake go off together, and Emmett is recognized by some Southern fella. He's recognized as Emmett Honeycutt of the Hazelhurst, Mississippi Honeycuts. (laughs) After a beat, Emmett recognizes him as Calvin Culpepper. He was on the boys' swim team in high school. Ooh, swimmer's body. Girl. (laughs) Uh, Emmett always thought that Calvin was straight. Well, so did Calvin. They head off to Emmett's room to reminisce about old times. Oh, but, and you know, they didn't have a lot of memories. They so. did not. In the words of Emmett, <laughs> they don't have a lot of memories. So, And so I was trying to rack my brain and think, okay, did Emmett ever mention this guy at some point? And no, no, I don't he think didn't. he did. But I kind of like this. Like, I know your thing was you felt like Emmett never had any, like, happy endings or whatever. But I think that Emmett is the kind of person who is always open to whatever life is going to bring. And, yeah, that might make you say goodbye a lot, but... When something new comes, he embraces it wholeheartedly. Oh, he does. And he's fully open to it. And so Cal- here's Calvin. He's like, all right, great. And then so we're going to try this out. We're going this might last for a day, a month, a year, right. whatever. But Emmett's always going to be open to whatever mm-hmm. life brings him. My- you remember when Emmett had the boyfriend who didn't speak English? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when Emmett fell in love in like 30 seconds and then five minutes later yes. they broke up, the guy had moved on? Yes, baby, moved on. Okay, <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah, so that's always going to be Emmett's story. And so, yeah, he 
every time he gets knocked down by something, he just gets right back up. It's like, okay, but I'm, he doesn't become callous or hard-hearted. Right. He still stays open to it. True. I just want his fairy tale ending because he well, is maybe open. maybe this is it. I know, but they didn't. we don't get to see. Yeah, I have a fairy tale ending in mind for him, but we'll talk about it later. Yes. Maybe when we do, like, a part three for yes. this, we'll talk about it. Well, we see Debbie, Michael, Ben, and Brian. They're seeing off the girls and the kids. Debbie tells them that they better get back to, back to Pittsburgh every holiday because they know how she feels about family. They wouldn't be one without her, Melanie mm-hmm. says. Hugs are exchanged. Handshakes for Melanie and Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay wants to make sure Brian will be all right without Justin, she means, like, not without them. And Brian says, well, he's selfish and only thinks of himself. And then Lindsay says, well, you taught him well. Well, there's no malice mm-hmm. behind what Brian is saying. And she knows what, what Brian means. Mm-hmm. Like, he's choosing to do what makes the most sense for him right right now. And for them as a couple, this is what makes the most sense mm-hmm. right now. Then she gets all emotional. And instead of goodbye, they exchange something more familiar and meaningful. She says, no apologies, as in, I know I don't owe you one for the choice that I'm making. And he says, no regrets, as in, there's no need for you to regret your decision. Like, Period. Yeah, like, this is what we're doing. We're going to be fine. Yeah, we're going to make it work. <laughs> yeah. Brian kisses his son goodbye and clears his throat to keep from crying. And then they drive away. And it's bittersweet, but I'm not really sad about it because I don't live in the same town or state as some of my family members. Right. And we still are very, very close. Absolutely. So you don't have to live there. It's bittersweet because... I mean, they've been around each other for all these years. They do have that bond. Now it's changing up. It doesn't mean it's over, it's finished, or anything like that. Yeah. But like you said, I wasn't sad with the move. Mm-mm. Like, no. It's just a new beginning. And now you have a place to go travel to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at this point, I don't even think Michael was going over there every day anymore. Nah. So this is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I may, I just kind of have to say this, and y'all can just overlook me, but I don't think it's fair to shackle Lindsay to Pittsburgh just to protect Brian's feelings. Like, right. I know that's one thing where people are like, well, everybody left Brian's life. That's not really fair to mm-hmm. Lindsay or to her family to say that she has to stay in Pittsburgh just because Brian's in Pittsburgh. And also, Brian gave his approval. Mm-hmm. No one left him. They were they couldn't leave without his blessing. So he let well, them go. Yeah. He let just... I think just to keep the peace mm-hmm. in the family, they didn't want to leave without his right. blessing. But they could have. They yeah. have every single right to True. leave if they, they wanted to. Yeah. But I don't think... If Brian would have said no, Lindsay would have never... Lindsay wouldn't have went, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Or, or it would have been... It would have caused a big-ass fight, for one. And it would have... They may ultimately have left, but they wouldn't. they wouldn't have left in that moment. Um, but he gave them their blessings, and he gave Michael away, and he gave Justin what he needed to give Justin, you know? So to me, like, Brian is strong enough. He knows what he's doing. Yes, people have left his life, but they're not gone, you yeah, know? Yeah, well, and I mean, let's just be honest about it. Brian didn't even know, like, they were at the park a couple of, an episode or two ago, and Gus is throwing a ball, and Brian's like, oh, I didn't even know he could do that. Okay, so you are that irregular in, right. <laughs> you know, in your attendance. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that as a diss. Like, I think that Brian is doing a good job, and he knows his role, and he knows his place. I will never place expectations on how often he should be talking to Gus or seeing Gus. But, I mean, don't make it seem like Brian is over there every single day Mm -hmm. with that kid, and then be like, Lindsay, how dare you? How could you leave? Right. When it's like, uh... (laughs) Like, you're not day in and day out, boo. (laughs) Yeah, he's really not. And also, that just wouldn't be fair. Lindsay's priority should be her family and protecting mm-hmm. her family and doing what she thinks is best for them. True. Her family, her immediate family is Melanie and those two kids. Yep. And so that's what she's And they don't feel safe, so they yeah. need to go. 
Um, I just have to say that because I just like don't think that's fair to mm-hmm. tell to be upset with her for leaving. Now I do have some concerns about what they're going to do for jobs because she's not even licensed yeah, to put, to do law in Canada. She's not, and then so. if Lindsay can't teach there without getting some kind of certification, but maybe she'll stay with gallery work. Right. But I didn't hear nothing about no jobs. I mean, and we already know that they already went through the savings last time yeah, when Lindsay stayed home. Maybe they got a little coin from selling the house, but. And then they do live down the street from a Starbucks and a Gap, so they can get their barista and cashier on the Maybe, yeah. <laughs> they overqualified, but go ahead. Yeah, you, know? you got to get your life. So I don't know what they're going to do for work, but yeah, they uh, they got to figure that part out. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm not mad at them for leaving. That part. Over at the loft, Brian is pouring a drink for himself and Justin. Okay, and let me say right now, we'll probably revisit these Brighton scenes because there's a lot to say about them, and we... Yeah, we'll probably come back to some of these scenes to dig a little deeper into them. Well, Justin is all packed up. His flight leaves at 10, and he will be staying at Daphne's friend's place in the East Village. But he'll still need to find workspace, and he's talking about the price of everything, and Brian's like, you'll manage. You always mm-hmm. you always do. And I like how they kind of walk around each other a bit because there's so much to say. And a few moments pass where they just kind of circle around the issue mm-hmm. at hand. And then Justin dives right in. I'll be back and you'll come there and we're going to see each other all the time. But Brian says, you don't know that. Well, Justin's trying to reassure Brian is what he was mm-hmm. trying to do. But that's not the kind of reassurance that Brian, that's going to work for Brian. Right. Like He's more of a realist. And he's like, neither of us can be sure about right. anything like that. You don't know what's going to happen in the next five minutes yeah. from now. Well, you know? I mean, work emergencies mm-hmm. could come up. Flights could be delayed. Schedules might not always line up. They're very practical reasons. Mm-hmm. Why they may not be able to see each other all the time they have scheduled to see mm-hmm. each other. And so Brian's just being realistic about that. But Brian does give Justin some reassurance. Well, it reassures them both, actually. He says, whether we see each other next weekend or next month or never again, it doesn't matter. It's only time. Now, I think that line is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's but, endless. Yeah, but I want to talk about what I think is the cause of so much anger and division in the Queer Folk fandom, uh, specifically the never again part. A lot of people have an issue with that. I don't, I don't know if it's a lot, but I know some people have an issue with that. And I, I think some people hear it and think, oh, they're never going to see each other again. You just broke them up, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, and those two words make them hate the entire finale. Like, you do you respectfully, but I think that you're missing out. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, like, and then the it's only time and the never again. I think that's actually very beautiful because in the world of possibilities, yeah, it's possible mm-hmm. they can never see each other again, but it's not probable. But that doesn't mean it's not a possibility. But what Brian is saying is that even if we never saw, even if we never saw each other again, even if like. Things just got crazy or the world went crazy. For whatever reason, we never saw each other again. Nothing would change in the way we feel about each other. Mm -hmm. So what Brian says is from a Shakespeare sonnet, uh, number 116, sonnet 116. Now, Christy, our third podcast team member, has a Brighton-inspired tattoo, and it also has a reference to to this sonnet on it. I recommend that you read it, but it says, um... That love is not subject to time is basically what it's saying. And it means that love doesn't bend, change, or fade over time. A very modern English version says, Love is not true love, which changes whenever an issue comes up or ends when the beloved disappears. And that's exactly what mm-hmm. so when I was like. The love doesn't change. Right. <laughs> and it says, No, it's a permanent thing that goes through wild storms and is never shaken. Like, that's what, that's what true love is. Mm-hmm. And that, so that's what Brian is saying. Like, mm-hmm. It's only time. (laughs) It doesn't matter how much passes. It doesn't change what we are to each other, what we feel for each other. 
again, it's not probable, it's not likely at all, but the possibility does exist, not because they would ever choose it, but because we're not in control of life. And Brian covers every eventuality by saying, no matter how often or how few and far between our visits are, time nor distance can change how we feel. Like, how is that not beautiful? How is that not, I will love you forever? Like, I don't see how that can be taken in a such a bad way. But I mean, I guess if you're seeing it the first time and if you really had your heart set on seeing a marriage and a wedding, I can see how it might be a little bit dis- disappointing or you, because you're already feeling like you got robbed because, by something. I guess I can see how you would interpret that line differently. But to me, it's just like, it is the most beautiful, all-consuming, all-encompassing thing that he could say to make it plain that nothing is ever going to change this. Like, we have a love that is so strong, it, it can endure the test of time and distance. Because he's essentially saying, I don't have to see you every day to know that these things are true. Even if I never saw you again, these things would still be true. So they're not affected by how often or how little I get to see you. And then if you compare that to Brian in season one, where he said, when I leave and go to New York, I won't think of you. uh, And after a bit of time, you'll forget about me and move on to someone else. This is the complete opposite of that. There will be no forgetting or moving on. Again, I don't have to see you every day for this to be true. I don't have to see you every weekend or every month for that to be true. I don't have to see you ever again and it would still be true. And so for me, I would be more heartbroken if he didn't say that because then I'd be wondering, well, what if Justin doesn't come home every weekend? What if he doesn't come home every month? What if Brian doesn't make it to New York every month? Then I'd be like, okay, well, do they move on from each other because they haven't seen each other in a year? And so Brian takes care of that worry and that fear by saying, no, that's not going to change anything. So I don't know. I'm just kind of puzzled by that. But I guess I get it, like I said, but it's just not at all the way I, even before digging into it, it's not at all the way I interpreted that line. I just love everything about this whole scene. Like, I love Brian looking Justin in the eye, taking that breath to ready himself to say, even if we never see each other again, it doesn't matter. It's only time. Because I will say that I think that Brian is speaking to his own fears a little bit as well. Like, he has grown, as we've been saying. But he's still Brian, and some of his insecurities will stick with him. He has better tools and a better truth to fight them with now, but that doesn't mean they're going away completely. So I think he needed to tell that part of himself that is afraid that they might never see each other again, or that part of him that fears that Justin might forget about him and move on. I think he needs to tell that part of him that's not going to happen. Like, we're still going to love each other. Uh, Justin finds the rings on the coffee table and uh, he's like, you didn't return them? And Brian says, no, I didn't return them. (laughs) That right there let me know. Like, it's never ending, boo-boo. Right. And Justin takes a look at at them and he says, we don't need rings or vows to prove that we love each other. We already know that. That part. Now, according to Ron and Dan, the writers and creators, uh, what Justin says here is inspired by a song. And the lyrics are... Let the little folk who need help depend on vows and such. We are much too tall. And so it's like, we don't need that. We are beyond that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need things like that to tell us that we love each other. Like, we already know what's true for us. Right. And it's only when we start trying to prove and validate our relationship to other people that we get in trouble. Mm-hmm. When we just keep it between us and we know what we got and we understand it, we're fine. We're golden. It's perfect even or close to perfect. Brian tells Justin that he did it. He became the best homosexual he could possibly be. Yeah. And that is what Brian has wanted for him since season one. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to hold it together here. Uh, Yeah, he was. (laughs) Because I was trying to hold it together. I was like, oh, my God. 
to me, they have lived their vows for seasons yeah. already, like in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer. They have been through all of that, and they are stronger and more in love now than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. As they're standing there looking at each other, Brian, like, they watch each other for a minute, and then Brian just, like, has to kiss him. It's, like, over- overcome with this need to to kiss him. And then we get this beautiful moment with them as the scenes from an earlier episode are played on their bodies as Ambition by Dove plays a great song, and we can discuss it later. Um, but one line in the song is, there's not a love that's perfect, but I live in hope. But I love the choice to write this relationship on their skin, like mm-hmm. by having it, you know, by the way that they did it, where it's playing over them. Um, because they have had such a huge role in shaping who the other person has become. Mm-hmm. And imagine if Brian had never met Justin. I know. And imagine if Justin never met Brian. We probably would, wouldn't have the growth from Brian. They would we... be totally different mm-hmm. people at this point. And they are largely responsible for each other's growth. And so I like to see them kind of wearing that relationship in this way. That's probably not where they were going with it. I don't think it is. But that's where my mind was mm-hmm. like, I love to see this relationship all over them. Exactly. Yeah. They drift off in a beautiful embrace, and then Justin is gone because he had to catch his flight. He's gone from the loft, not from this relationship. Yeah, no, he's (laughs) just catching the flight, And he's gone for now, not forever. And I actually like that Brian is still in that position, even after Justin leaves, because when we did uh, the episode for 501, I talked about Brian having object permanence issues, Mm -hmm. how it was hard for him to trust that a person still loved him and was still with him, even if he couldn't see them. And this is a beautiful depiction of how he has grown in that area because he is, it's like Justin is still there. He's mm-hmm. positioned as though Justin is still there. And now that may not be what they're conveying, but it makes perfect sense with the theory that I had. And uh, while some people may interpret this as though it looks like Justin was never there, I see it as it looks like Justin never left. Yeah, it's like Justin never left. Mm-hmm. And also, like he is still positioned in such a way as if Justin is still there with him. Exactly. And also, let me add to, I mean, it's not as deep as yours. Claude, I didn't know Brian. I mean, I knew Brian was fine, but I didn't know he was that damn fine, y'all. <laughs> y'all know she gonna bring he all that. Fine. I'm gonna bring this. That motherfucker fine, girl. Those big old thighs. You see how big old thighs were? I'm like, oh they've gotten bigger because he was like near skin and bone. That's what I'm saying. One, I know? thought he was skinny, skinny. Okay, this boy is athletic built. I was like, damn, those legs. Like, oh, that, that lightly otterish body. Like, oh, <laughs> I was like, damn. Why didn't we get more? Like, more of this? You like. <laughs> Him just laid out, looked like a whole snack. I was like, wow, mm, I'm hungry. To be Justin Taylor, huh? Yeah, baby. Okay. <laughs> or just to fly on that wall. Because I want to see both of them together. <laughs> yeah. To be one of their tricks. Okay? Yeah. Shit. See, okay, here's the real reason why I had you record your reaction first. Because I never, ever, ever saw this as a breakup. And I was curious if you did. But if you would, like, after you sat with it and thought about it, you would be like, okay, well, no, next, actually, now I don't. But I love that you initially were like, no, not a, yeah. Yeah, no, it wasn't a breakup. Yeah. No. yeah. And I, I know, didn't get that. Yeah, I know some people get that, and I'm like, okay. But uh, but I just never, I never got that, because we've seen them break up before, and they use breakup you know, language. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, it, it, it almost seems final. Yeah. But this didn't. This had, like, a lingering love, like, I'm going to see you in the weekend, boo. Yeah, this was all very hopeful yeah. language. Mm-hmm. Now, they were, they were they both have fears and some worries and concerns, because Justin knows how Brian usually behaves mm-hmm. when when he's like, oh, gosh, he's going to think we're over again. Because right. you know what happened in 501. Yes, Brian girl. was like, nope, we're done. He's moved on. <laughs> <laughs> and then... But then Brian has his own fears and worries. Like, okay, well, he's not going to be here. Will he move on? Will he forget about me? He's got his own fears and insecurities. So it's not like those things aren't there. It's not like long distance won't be hard. But 
I never saw it as a breakup. Mm-hmm. Because now Brian understands that Justin left Pittsburgh. He didn't leave me. And Brian is way more emotionally intelligent and mature than he was in 501 when Justin was in Hollywood. So the long-distance relationship will have challenges, but Brian won't automatically default to, oh, I'm out of his sight. He's moved on. We're over. He's not going back there. That part of him has been healed. So many parts of him have been healed by Justin and their relationship, and they will both continue to heal each other. We've seen them break up, and they use words that make it very clear they are breaking up. These words are more hopeful, even if they're also a little nervous and scared. They are both trying to reassure the other and themselves that they are okay and that they will be okay together as a couple. Well, the following day, uh, perhaps Brian is sitting there in bed alone with a cigarette. And instead of running out to the baths or to some other club or whatever, he's letting himself feel sad. Mm -hmm. He's letting himself feel his feelings because even though the distance may not change anything, that doesn't mean it won't hurt a bit. Right. Well, he's not coping. Like, normally when Justin leaves, they're they're broken up. So he's going out to the baths. He's going out to the clubs. Yeah, he's, he's using got his drugs. avoidance techniques yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It, but this is not that feeling this time. This is like, my baby's off doing something great. I miss him. Yeah, you know I wanted him to go do yes, this. Yes, I want him to be great. I wanted him to go out and do this. This is best for him. We're not over. I still love him. Mm-hmm. I'm just counting down the minutes till I see him again yeah. type deal. Like, he didn't need to go out to do any of the other shit. I mean, and then it wouldn't make sense. It would be a contradiction contradiction to everything else, like all the growth that he's—it wouldn't make sense right now. It just—that right. wouldn't make sense to me. This man didn't even go take the lap dance or partial fuck from the stag party um, dancer thing, you know? Like, he wanted to cuddle in the bed a couple—you um, <laughs> know what I'm saying? A couple days ago type yeah. shit. It wouldn't make sense. So to see him alone working through these problems—not you know, even problems, working through this—I'm not even going to call it hurt, but— But it's just like a sadness. Yeah, it's a little sadness, okay. yeah. yeah. Yeah, working through that— it made perfect sense. And and then it also showed a realness and a vulnerability from Brian. Yeah. But then he gets dressed and he gets back to the business of living his life. I mean, he's at the table working when Michael comes into the loft and he thought Brian might like some company. It's a little late for Michael to be out. But he says in the good old days, they would just now be heading out to Babylon. Babylon is gone, Brian says. And so are the good old days. But Michael says not yet. Then he drags Brian to Babylon and it looks a lot different now. Than it did the night of their senior prom. Michael says that Babylon is where it all began. And Brian says it's also where, where it ended. But Michael says it's who they are. It's what made it's what made them. Mm-hmm. And he's just saying, like, this is a part of this is a part of us. Yes. And, you know, Brian challenges Michael with his own words. You said everything <laughs> in here was an illusion. Mm-hmm. Well, that was before Michael understood that some things weren't meant to change. He tries to make Brian shake his groove thing, but Brian is about to say he's too old. But Michael says, you'll always be young. You'll always be beautiful. You're Brian Kenny. And Brian needed to be told that because, mm-hmm. like I said, he's been looking for, okay, who am I? What, mm-hmm. What's my identity now? It's like, search. you're Brian Kenny. That's who you are. And he turns and he joins Michael on the platform as their song plays, Proud, or they imagine it's playing until it really starts to play. When he says that you're Brian Kenny, so, but you're the three-dimensional version of that, the one who not only believes in love, but who takes a chance on it. You're Brian Kenny, who's a great friend who is learning to be a good father, who is a business owner. So it's like, that's who Brian Kenny is, mm-hmm. not just this, like, Club illusion yeah. or this myth of Liberty Avenue or whatever. You're all these other things, and you're a survivor. Like, look at all he's been through. A and, lot. And how much he's grown because of the relationships and friendships in his life, uh, most of all because of their relationship with Justin and how mm-hmm. much it required of him. It, it required him to grow, and he, and he did in response. Well, time passes, and Babylon comes back to life around Michael and Brian as they dance above the crowd. 
And I did cry when I watched it. Yes, no, for real. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it makes you want to cry. Mm-hmm. And not because something happened, but it's the end. You know, it's almost for me. It was like an end of a chapter for me, you know, and I didn't want to close that door. Right, I wanted me to continue to see where my where the gang because I'm a part of the gang now, mm-hmm. so I want to see where we were headed, you know. And I'm definitely getting into some fan fiction because I have plans for these boys. Yeah, okay? I know, me too. And um, there's a line around the block. Emmett is there with Calvin. Blake is there with Ted. Michael kisses Brian, and it's a show of love and support. And then he goes and joins his husband. And that leaves Brian dancing on the platform by himself. Now, the first time I saw this in this episode, it made me sad. Just, I think it was more so just because it was the last episode. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what made me sad about it. But then I thought about it some, and I'm not really sad anymore. Like this is Brian. Like we've never seen him. Like mm-hmm. he looks completely free. Yeah, to me. he's free. No, that's what it was. Because yeah. later, like I said, and I don't before, mean free as in single. No, no, I mean, no, no, no. All his insecurities, all gone. that junk, you know, all that, that stuff. That weight that, that he was carrying yes. all those seasons. I mean, from the Jack and Jones, from him. From not, I don't not, have any worth. It's not exactly. attached to my looks and how yes. I perform in the bedroom. Like, all of that is gone. It's off of him. Mm-hmm. And you can see the weight is off of him. Mm-hmm. For once, he feels light, you know? Yeah. He feels happy. He always looked happy, but truly, he is shining bright in this moment. Yeah, so I actually don't find this sad at all anymore, especially if you keep watching through the credits and you see, like, all of the gang dancing together with Brian. <laughs> so they really didn't leave him at all. No. Yeah, but that was that was a good one, yeah. Y'all, if y'all didn't know, yes, on the DVD versions, if once the credits are rolling, give it a good, you know, couple minutes to it feel like it's almost at the end, you will get a, a special little snippet if you didn't already know. If you yeah, and let that be your end of seeing Brian up on the platform alone by himself, but not, you know, alone but not lonely. If that makes you sad, just go watch the one that has, like, all of them hugged. Emma's giving him a big hug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And you, you definitely feel the love. But before we leave this, I have to go back and say, when have we ever seen Brian dance like this? Hands up high and enjoying himself. Not as a prelude to taking someone to the back room or because he's obviously high. This is just Brian enjoying himself and being Brian. This version of Brian is stronger and more secure than we've ever seen him. I know that some people see this as, oh, he's gone back to his club ways and I don't like that he ends this with Michael. No, that's that's not what's happening here. The writers say that this was Michael and Brian sharing a last dance of sorts, not because they won't ever come back here, but it will never be like it was. And that's a happy thing. Like they might still come here, but it'll always be a different experience for them now. Like Michael has his husband and he has his two children and Brian has his whole life and he has his partner and they don't need this place in the same way, but they can still enjoy this place together. And this was a place that they discovered together. And you think about all the things that they discovered about themselves because of this place. And so I think it is right and it is fitting for us to get this scene of the two of them dancing, but then to see Michael go back off over there to, to Ben And Brian's not here looking for an escape or validation like he has so many times before in the seasons before. He's simply enjoying himself with his friends all around him. There's that scene of them dancing together that we talked about, but I also kind of love this one with just Brian, too. He may be dancing on his own up there, but he is not alone. There's so many people who love him and who have helped him become who he is, and he carries that with him. That love has allowed him to be the best version of himself, to be the best homosexual he can be. So I'm not sad for Brian, and I don't think he's alone, not at all. I'm sure he and Ted have been working very closely to get things organized for the reopening. He's been eating at the diner because Justin isn't at the loft making dinner. So he's seeing Debbie and probably running into Emmett. He stops by Michael's shop. 
He talks to Justin on the phone throughout the day and they exchange emails. I'm sure he's already been out to New York at least once before we get here to this night. Because some time has passed. Um, They had to get the whole thing cleaned out and rebuilt. Some time has passed. I bet he has a set schedule for talking to Gus on the phone. Maybe not every day, but every week. And Justin has Daphne and Jennifer alternate checking up on Brian, dragging him to brunch or stopping by Kinetic or whatever. And so Brian is loved and he is fine. He's back on good terms with his best friend. He has great friends in Ted and Emmett. He's going to have a relationship with his son and he's going to continue his relationship with the love of his life. He may not see them all every day, but he's at a place where he understands that he doesn't have to see them physically to trust the love that they have for him. We've talked about one of the themes of this show being boys becoming men. And part of that, and I'm pulling this from a conversation I had with Peter Page, part of that is learning to love and embrace and trust yourself. And that is where they all got to. We see a Brian Kenny who has fully embraced himself. Like, yes, he's older. He's got a few scars, but he's worthy of love and he's capable of giving it too. All the things that he thought were wrapped in youth and beauty are his eternally because of who he is at this very moment and and who he'll be tomorrow and the day after that and the year after that. It's no longer because he is literally young. It's because you are just this forever young and beautiful person. And we've seen Brian look truly alone and abandoned before. The end of season two when he puts that rage mask back on and he drifts off into the dancers or early in season three. I think it was like the end of 302 maybe. That's a sad Brian. That is a empty and alone and lost Brian. This one is the complete opposite to me. I go back to just talking about that freedom that I see in him. True freedom is the ability to be every part of yourself. That's what I mean by Brian looks free. I've always felt like Brian wanted to be more than what he was when we met him. He worked really hard to convince him and everyone else that he was just a shallow club boy. And he was so afraid to show people more in case they rejected it. But here, he's so comfortable with the part of him that can admit he'll miss his son, that can admit he loves someone enough to give them the world if they ask for it, and that he's not going to be the number one stud anymore. He can admit all of those things. He only has to be Brian, and the real Brian is a thing of beauty and a joy forever. (laughs) Time hasn't and won't change that. And since I'm already ranting, I'll just keep going. To me, the path forward post 513 or post canon seems pretty clear. Like There's room for interpretation about what comes after. And given that choice, I'm always going to choose happy. I understand if you don't, though. <laughs> I understand if that's not your thing. And I understand that this may be sad to some people. But aside from having to say goodbye to all of them, I'm really happy with where they are and where they're going. And another note on Brian, I think when it comes to his relationship with Justin, he'll use Justin's words from season four. You go do whatever you have to do for whatever reason you have to do it. I just want you to know that I love you and I'll be here when you get back. I think it's his turn to offer that to Justin. Justin offered that to him in season four. This was pre-cancer. Justin didn't know it was cancer, but Justin offered that to him, that blind love, unconditional love. He offered that to him and was like, you do what you need to do. And I'm going to be here. And now Brian gets to offer that to Justin. Hey, you go do your thing in New York and I'm going to be here. And I do want to say something about our sunshine for a bit. Justin did have a bit of a plan. Uh, Lindsay was already getting calls from people wanting to buy and show his work in now admittedly very few. But in the very few (laughs) fan fictions that I've read, they usually have Justin working at a bar or a restaurant or going from gallery to gallery trying to get someone to show his work or represent him. And that's totally possible. But from what Lindsay was saying, 
And what that article suggested, they are going to kind of roll out the red carpet for him, or at least the pink carpet. Like, he'll have to work and he'll have to network and kiss up to the right people, but I don't think it's going to be the struggle bus, at least not for long. In one of the extended scenes, the one where Justin gives the painting to Melanie and Lindsay, Lindsay says that he could sell that one painting for at least a few thousand dollars. Now, I don't know how the art world works, but I do know that the price of something is determined by what people are willing to pay for it. And people are willing to drop some coin on Justin Taylor. So I do want to put that out there. Like, he had a little bit of a plan. And it's not like Monday they were getting married, Tuesday they weren't, Wednesday he moved. Like, we don't get to see exactly how much time is passing, but a little bit of time is passing, even if it's just a couple weeks. And so they had time to kind of sit with that. Brian and Justin had time to sit with that decision together. And then he started making steps like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And I mean, I have it all figured out, but (laughs) I'm going to figure it out when I get there. And he does have good reason for going. And Ken and I will talk about this a little bit more because Ken does do stuff in the entertainment industry. And so he definitely understands you have to go when they're calling you. And a lot of people will say, I don't know why I keep saying that. It may not be a lot of people. But I know some people worry about that or wonder about that. Well, he's just going because of what, one article? It's like, well, that industry works a little bit different. And if Lindsay has this information and she's like, hey, people are, here are literal phone numbers of literal people that are calling that want to pay X amount of dollars for that piece right there, he's got a little bit of a plan. Another thing I'm going to slip in here just because Ken is doing whatever he's doing over there. So I'm going to keep talking. (laughs) But the other thing I'm going to slip in is that uh, this season and kind of throughout this show, they have been giving us a very black and white idea of marriage. It's kind of it has to be this or it's nothing. And that has been to prove a point. And it works for some couples, but not all of them. But that doesn't mean that what Brian and Justin settle on makes them less committed. I know a lot of people were like, well, I wanted to see the wedding because I want to know that they have a happily ever after. Well, what are the stats now? Over 50% of marriages end in divorce. And so, you know, that doesn't necessarily guarantee anything. The guarantee that we get from them is we keep choosing each other. That's why we're together. Not because of a ring, not because of vows, not because of monogamy. It's because we keep choosing each other. They both can and would do monogamy, but they would be doing it because the institution of marriage dictates it, not because they both naturally decided it was right for them as individuals or for them as a couple. And ultimately, this is about what Brian and Justin wanted for them as a couple. They want to be together. They want a relationship that works for them. And they want to know that there is some degree of permanence to what they have. And they give each other all of that in a way that makes sense for them. I got way away from the club scene, but (laughs) that's where we are. So we'll go back to the club scene. In my mind, this is a Saturday and tomorrow they'll have Sunday dinner at Debbie's and she will mandate their attendance. And then on Monday... Brian will get breakfast at the diner with Emmett and Ted and Michael and Ben. And then he'll go to work with Ted and Cynthia. And then he'll call Justin on his lunch break. And so that's how I see it in my head. And I think that's because I have given these people a life beyond what we just what we see on screen. Like, I feel like we've done that with every episode or every season. We kind of try to envision what life is like between the scenes and between the episodes. And because I've done that, it makes it a little bit easier for me to be like, oh, okay, yeah, they're going to be cool. Everything's going to be fine. I like to think that Justin is on his way to Babylon. Like, I think if this is the official reopening, Justin's not going to miss that. Uh-uh. And I think if Justin had something going on that was that important or he couldn't be here, be there, Brian would be 
in New York and exactly. whatever whatever Justin has going on because he's made it to all of Justin's art showings mm-hmm. even when they were broken up. So mm-hmm. if Justin has something that important going on, I think Brian would be in New York. And I don't think there's anything. I don't think he would just be there like working a shift at some restaurant or whatever. Never. You know, that would keep him from. That would be huge. I mean, that's where it all began yeah. for him, too. So to see it back to life. I mean, he was yeah. there yeah. that night when, when it blew. So he would want to be there for mm-hmm. this and he want to be there for Brian in this. And so, yeah, I, I just like to tell myself that he's on the way. Girl, that's think, a good one. I yeah. didn't think about that. He well, is on the way. I think okay. from a storytelling standpoint, you can't have him there because Justin really did move to New York. And right. we, we have to feel that. We have to feel what Brian feels. And so it wouldn't make sense to have him to actually right. like show him on on screen being here but in my mind he's on his way absolutely I agree 100% on that I mean for one Justin's never gonna let Brian go through something big by himself ever period that's not Justin at all that's never been his that's never been his MO that's not who he is He's definitely, girl, he got a ticket, train, plane, or six-hour drive. He's coming. Right. Hell, he can even bike the shit now. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. he, he started like three or four days ago. He yes. can bike there. Yeah. He would have he made it. Yeah. So that is what I what I think about that part. Michael sees us off. He says, so the Thumpa Thumpa continues. It always will, no matter what happens, no matter who's president. As Our Lady of Disco, the divine Miss Gloria Gaynor has always sung to us, we will survive. I think about that as I'm watching Brian dance. I'm like, this is not club boy, Brian. This is grown man, mm-hmm. Kenny, you know? And this is what Michael says. I think that's what Brian is representing. Like, the official title of this episode is We Will Survive. So we will survive the hate, the violence, the lo- the laws that threaten our rights. Like, everything that is thrown at us, we will survive. And the music will continue and we will keep dancing. And I think Brian is representing that in this last scene mm-hmm. and so that uh, that's another reason why it's not sad to me because it's very triumphant it's very victorious and it's very like it's like a conquerer yeah <laughs> in that uh, and on a smaller scale like brian and justin will survive they'll survive the distance they'll survive the time that passes between them seeing each other and um so yeah that's kind of what helps me yeah. see this all very happy and then also what i tell myself is their journey continues it's just this is our stop exactly the bus keeps going and you can decide for yourself where the bus is headed to and what all happens on the bus. Mm-hmm. But this is just our stop that for the part. show. So. I, I love that. Yeah. That was a great closing notes. <laughs> so we have a lot more to talk about and to dig back into. Like, we, there's some some deleted scenes, some extended versions of scenes, some alternate endings. We want to go back into some speeches or whatever. But mm-hmm. this is already a long episode. So we're going to revisit it. So if we didn't talk about something here, just give us one more episode. We got more to talk about. And then we can... Go from that there. part. So um, definitely shoot your thoughts over to us so we definitely can address them and and see, you know, where we align um, with our thought process. We hope you guys enjoyed everything on this episode, but we have more to come and um, we're happy to share that with you. Um, And don't forget, we do have the tarot cards coming very soon. I think we're waiting on two more of those to come back and I cannot wait for y'all to see them. Not so don't forget that's coming. We will be uh, we'll. We'll be posting something about that pretty soon. Yes, guys. They are so dope. We can't wait for you guys to see them. Like, I mean, they're bad ass. You're going to love them for sure. They are. Like, so lifelike, yeah, right? Yeah, they look so good. Uh, Yeah, just final things. We, we've received a lot of questions about what we think happens after 513 for some of these characters and relationships. And so we do want to do some episodes like that. If there are specific things you want us to address, go ahead and email those to us at libertydinerdish at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah. And guys, just because we have 513, Liberty Diner Dish is not going anywhere. Yeah. So, yes, keep it interactive. <laughs> don't panic. Do not. Don't, don't, don't. 
But if you want a double dose of us, you can check us out on the Pink Plate special as well. You can find that on your favorite streaming platform also. Yeah. Uh, the thing about being interactive, we have an episode plan that is solely based on an email that we received from one of our listeners. And it's got some really great talking points and questions in it. And we are very excited about getting into that as well. Absolutely. So if you want to get your questions heard, hit us with the email. Y'all know how to reach us. Send your questions in, guys. We're looking forward to hearing from you. And until next time, we are out of here. Bye. Bye.